Well, welcome to our online service here at Exchange Community Church. Like Mark said, my name is Ellie and we are the lead pastors here. And if it's your first time, email hello at exchangecc.com. We would love to connect with you and partner with you. And um, it's an awesome time to be alive. It's an awesome time to be in God's presence. And I just pray that you would sense the Holy Spirit today, whatever it is that you've been through this past week, whatever news you've received yesterday or today, I just pray that you would experience God's presence because He's real, He's tangible. He has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. And if you don't yet know Him in a personal way, then I pray that as I give you the invitation at the end of this service, that you would invite Jesus into your heart. Well, I'm ready ready for the word. I pray that you are also ready for the word. So let's pray. God, we thank you that you are good. You are gracious. You are mighty. You are Lord. You are in control. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us today. Even though we're in our homes, your Holy Spirit is present. Change, transform, deliver, heal, set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You know, I'm going to preach a little bit today on the church, God's view of the church, because there's been so much shifting, so much change that has happened in the last season, not just in our church personally, not just in America, but globally. There has been a shift. And whenever there's a shift like we're seeing right now, I know that God is up to something. I know that he's preparing his children. He's preparing his, uh, his bride. And so I just think it's a good time to stop, pause, and remind ourselves about how God views his church. Because the Bible paints this incredible picture, this incredible image of what God's church, what the body of Christ is really like. I'm really grateful for my heritage, for my upbringing, because from a young age, I was taught that the church is beautiful. The bride of Christ is beautiful. She's not perfect. And so over, gosh, 21 years now of being an ordained pastor, I've been able to have that image in my mind. So I haven't looked at the church for perfection, I've just looked to see her beauty. You know, when things shift and when there's change, it can kind of feel a little unsettling. And, um, you know, I think about when we first went into COVID, right, which has been a year. Can you believe it? It's been almost a year. I think we're just maybe a few weeks shy of exactly a 12-month cycle. But when we first went into COVID, there was so much grace. I don't know if you remember this, but there was grace for teachers. There was a huge amount of grace for parents, for restaurant owners, small businesses. You know, we all came together and we extended grace. I remember, you know, we would be excited as a family. We'd all come downstairs and we'd watch the service together. And, you know, like Psalm 122 says, I was glad when they said to us, let's gather in the house of the Lord. You guys would send me pictures and images of what Exchange Church at home looked like for you. 
everyone was super encouraging, right? But let's just be honest for a moment. And I'm sure if you're a teacher or a business owner or a parent, you can relate to this. But there's certainly been, what do I wanna call like a complacency or perhaps it's more that a little bit of that fire has died down again and Sundays roll by and you know I'll get to watching online when I can, when it's convenient, when I can kind of fit it into my schedule. And um, you know, as the grace has lifted, we have seen how people have responded. You know, I, I certainly know just for teachers too, you have felt the grace lift for small business owners, you, you felt the grace lift and I've certainly seen that change in church as well. But here's the thing, the purpose of the church has not changed. The purpose of education has not changed. The reason why you started that small business has not changed. Even though people's view is shifting and perhaps changing, the reason why we went into ministry in the first place hasn't changed. The reason why you became a teacher in the first place hasn't changed. The reason why you got involved in education, why you became a superintendent, why you became a principal has not changed. All we need to do is relook at, well, what is God's view? What has God said? Because that does not change. Like Mark has been preaching these last few weeks, our filter is truth, right? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, even though things are shifting and there's a change in perception, it does not mean that God's plan, God's purpose has changed. And in fact, it has not. And so as we get into the word today, I want to remind us of God's view of the church, not just our human view of the church. And I'm going to go through five images that the scripture paints about what God's church is like. So you ready? If you got pen and paper, first one is this. Number one, the church is more than a hotel. It is a hospital. So how does God view his church? Well, number one, he sees his church as a hospital. And we can pick up this image from scripture in Luke, Luke chapter five, verses 27 through 32. Um, I'll just summarize the first little bit for you. Uh, Jesus met with a tax collector named Levi. And when Levi got saved and started following Jesus, he invited all his friends over. And then the Pharisees in verse 30 and the scribes, they grumbled at Jesus's disciples. Isn't that funny? They grumbled. They were upset. Why? And they said this, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. And I love this. They grumble to the disciples. But notice here in verse 31, it's not the disciples who responded to their complaint. It's not the disciples who addressed their issue or their argument. Verse 31 says, and Jesus answered them. I love that. Let's just pause for a moment. There are some times when people are going to have their opinions and their attitudes and their perhaps even accusations against you, right? And there are times when it's not for us to answer them. It's not my opinion right now that matters, right? Well, let's see, what does Jesus have to say? What does scripture have to say? What does the word of God have to say? Verse 31, and Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need 
of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus responded to the religious leaders of the day going, hey, I, I haven't come for the righteous. I, I've come for the sinners. Hey, I haven't come for the well. I've come for those who are not well. Why? Because my church is like a hospital. It's a place where sick people can go to, to be healed. It's a place where the wounded can go to be restored. It's a place where sinners can find Jesus, a place for people like you and I. You know, I often chuckle, chuckle to myself, and you probably heard this, and perhaps you've even said it to, um, as well, but you know, people often say, I'm done with the church. And I'm like, why? Like, why are you finished with the church? Because she's full of hypocrites. And I kind of laugh and go, well, yes, she's a hospital. There's a place where people who are on their journey to become more like Jesus. Yeah, it's a place for people who are learning to grow and mature, of course, because the church is a hospital. It's a place where people come to get healed and delivered and set free. I'm not sure if you've ever been into a hospital, but if you have, you're probably aware of how busy it is, of how messy it is and how noisy it is. And it's not like the hospital is set up with this beautiful grand foyer that you can walk in and people notice that you're there and they're greeting you and they're rolling out the red carpet for you. No, you know, I think sometimes we get confused and we want the church to be more like a hotel. We, we want her to be more like this beautiful resort that we can come in and grand foyer and everyone stops and greets you, gets your bags, takes them up to your room, they clean your room every day, they change your sheets, they replace your towels, there's room service, concierge you know everything is catered and designed to making your experience amazing when you're at a hotel but when you're at a hospital not so much right why because the hospital's on mission the hospital is on purpose the hospital wants to see the sick healed and it's just like the church just like you and I need Jesus we need a savior I pray that you would see the church as a hospital, not just as a hotel. Number two image that we get from scripture is that the church is far more than just an audience. She's actually an army. The second image that we get from scripture is that the church is an army. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 3 to 4 says this, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since their aim is to please the one who enlisted them. That's the image that scripture paints of how God views his church. He doesn't see it as just an audience, a crowd come to attend a concert. No, he sees us as soldiers enlisted in his army there to please him, not to get caught up in civilian pursuits. Now for me personally, the thought of the soldier, the thought of an army personally brings up 
a lot of emotion and memories for me. See, when I, I was 13 years old, I was at an English boarding school in South Africa. And, you know, uh, just remember, it was like overnight. As quickly as the night turned today, we woke up and these huge amount of army tanks had rolled in onto our boarding school. There was soldiers with these huge guns just literally surrounding our boarding school. We were not allowed to leave. In fact, we were not even allowed to leave the premise and they were there for over a week. This image is forever etched into my memory, forever etched into my mind. And as a kid, when you see all these military, when you see all these army roll in, like your first response is, what did I do wrong? You know, the piece of candy that I ate and I wasn't meant to, or are they here for me? You know, are they coming to arrest me? See, my dad was in the army and at this time in South Africa, it was a normal thing for once you finished high school, you automatically were enlisted into two years mandatory um, services. Unless you went to university, then you could delay it. And I remember my dad, because he was in the army, he, he would be gone for weeks on end to serve his country, to serve the group of people that he was there to serve with and there's a few things that my dad taught me about being a soldier about being in an army the first thing is that when you're a soldier and you're in an army you understand authority now boy did we understand my dad's authority isn't it amazing when dad says something right it's instantly everyone is in line right because we understand authority Soldiers understand authority. And you know what? Jesus is the head of this church. He is the head of the church. And we are in submission to him, into submission into his plan, his vision. What is it that he would have for this church? Soldiers understand structure. They understand order. And just like in an army, there's generals, there's sergeants, there's lieutenants, you know, a healthy church, a church that is mobilized with soldiers to be an army has structure, has order. Next thing about the army, about being a soldier, they understand who their enemy is. Now, I love how Mark has been preaching and reminding us that people are not our enemy. See, people are redeemable. Our enemy is Satan. Our enemy is the devil. And a soldier would never take out the soldier position next to him or her or behind or in front. Why? Because an army understands who their enemy is. You see, when God looks at the church, he sees his church as an army, not just as a crowd, not just as an audience of people. Another thing is they're full of cult, their culture is full of honor and respect. They lay down their life for each other. That is what an army does. Now, it would be much easier if God called the church just to be an audience, right? Because then we can just attend, we can just leave. If we feel like coming, if we don't feel like coming, but I want you to know the church is here for a reason and she's here to fight a war. And it's only a war that could be fought by the church. No charity, 
no corporation and no government can fight the war that you and I of the Church of Christ can fight because the weapons needed to fight this war are not natural. They're heavenly and God has given them to his people, to his church. Go with me quickly. Are you all okay? Doing all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, it says this, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Let's just press pause. There is a battle. We are the army of God. There is a war that we're involved in, but we do not wage war like the world does because the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Everyone say divine power. To do what? To demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The church is an army. She has been given weapons, weapons of warfare that are not of this world. When God sees his church, the way God views his church is that she's mobilized, she's ready, she's equipped and she's being equipped. Why? To see the greatest revival ever, because that is who he's returning for. Church, we're not playing games, but we are focused on what? Knowing God, making him known, building his church and bring heaven to earth. Seeing the lost saved, seeing them discipled, seeing miracles happen. We are an army, amen. We're not just an audience. What was the first thing that we talked about? The way God sees the church. He sees her as a hospital and he sees her as an army. And thirdly, the church is more than a fan club. It's a family. Church is a family. What a powerful image scripture creates around the concept of church being a family, not just a fan club. Why is family so important? Now I know everyone has different um, experiences in their family, but a family is a place where you can let your guard down, you can be yourself. Family is a place where we're committed to each other beyond our gifting, beyond our talents. You're not a valuable part of the family because of what you can do. Hear me. You're a valuable part because of who you are. That's why Jesus views the church as a family. It's not about what you can bring. It's not about what you can do, but it's about who you are and about helping you become all that God has called you to be. Family, church, church being a family is a place to belong, a place to call home. You know, scripture talks about those who are planted in Psalm 92 verse three, that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Why? Because it's a place where we're committed to each other and we can let our roots go down deep. Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. 
Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. That's what families do. See, church, it's not just for a bunch of fans, but it's a place for family. It's a place where relationships are built. And I pray that we would have the opportunity to grow old together. We can see people get married. We can see their kids born. We can see them going to school, going to high school, going to university, all these incredible things. See a fan club? Might look good on social media, but I, I can tell you this much, that fan club are not turning up to your house when you need a meal. That fan club is not there for you when your kid is about to go to high school for the first time. It's family, you know, and I think sometimes it's easy to underestimate the power of your church family. I know I certainly have. I really didn't understand church as a family and how valuable and significant it is until I experienced it for myself. See, when I found out that our son had uh, craniocentosis, which required the removing of the top part of his skull, and I, I say that quickly, but it was a pretty traumatic experience. It was a very traumatic time for um, Mark and I. And, um, you know, obviously when you get news like that and your immediate family is thousands of miles away in Australia, my, my first response though was still to call them and say, hey, you know, but obviously they couldn't show up at my doorstep. But you know who did? My church family. You know who came? and sat on the carpet and played toys with Oscar, who was just three years old, my church family. Because that's what family does. They look after you without even being asked. They would bring around meals. They would pray for us. They came to the hospital when Beckett went in for surgery. They sat with us while Beckett was in surgery. They were there for us when Beckett came out of surgery. Church is not just a group of fans, but it is family. And I know my story is not unique because I've seen our church family gather together and celebrate the high moments, gather together and celebrate the low moments. Family. Church is a family. Now, like in every family, there's obviously a crazy uncle. Perhaps your family has a crazy aunt. And so does the church family, but we're still family. Amen. Awesome. Number four, church is more than a building. It's the body, the church, the way God sees his church is he sees her as a body. Now, don't get me wrong. I really wish we had a building. I really wish right now we had a big enough building that we could all gather in and we didn't need to set up and tear down. I want a building, so don't get me wrong. But the danger is if we see church as just a building, then the danger is, is that we see church as a place that I go to, that I, I go and visit rather than being the body of Christ. You see, when we see church as the body, we see her as who we are. 
and who God created her to be. Not just a place that I visit when I feel like it, when it's convenient for me, when my kids don't have sport, when, you know, church is so much more than just the four walls of a building. And it's one of the things I love about exchange. And certainly this shift, you know, 12 months of not being able to gather in a building, I think has really reinforced God's view of his church, that she would be a body. You know, a building doesn't need a body, doesn't need you. But I tell you what, the body of Christ absolutely needs you and the gifts and the talents and what you have to bring. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Um, pick it up in verse 12, says this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Verse 15, If the foot would say, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, does not make it less a part of the body. Verse 16, And if the ear would say, Hey, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were as an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies are made up of what? Many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. I'm going to press pause. God has put each part just where he wants it. I think the reason why we're seeing the shifting happen that we are in churches is because God is orchestrating something. He's moving people to where he wants them to be, where they can flourish, where they can become all that he's called them to be. Verse 26, I love this. If one part suffers, all the parts suffers with it, just like that's what a family does. If one part is honored, all parts are glad. Verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. All of us together make up the body of Christ. What a beautiful image. You see, we need each other. And I think that's partly why God would go to length to describe his church as a body, because we all have a different part to play. We all have our unique gifts. We all have our unique talents. And when you put it all together, That is when you see the beautiful image of the body of Christ, because it's more than just physically attending, right? It's about playing your part, about doing what it is that you're called to be. A body is alive. A building is not. A body is growing. A building is not. Now, some COVID bodies are growing a little bit too much in the direction we would not want. But the truth is, we're a body because we're alive, we're growing, we're active, we're playing our part, we're working together, and we're equipped for His service. Amen? Ephesians 4 verse 16 says at the end, as each part does its work. See, verse 16 talks about how from the whole body, is joined and held together. Every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I want to remind you today, you have a part to play. You know, my heart is burdened for those who haven't been in church for a long time. My heart is really burdened for people who think that 
they don't have a part to play. And I feel like one of the biggest things about online church has been, well, what part do I have to play? And I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would remind you that you are valuable, those gifts, those talents are not going to go to waste. You are not disqualified, even though the season has been what it's been. I want to remind you that you are part of a church. You are part of a body. And without you, we are missing a part. Without you, we don't get to function as the complete whole body. I pray you would remember that today. Be reminded of that today. And perhaps for some of you, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would even remind you when you encountered Him, when you heard His voice for the first time, when you heard Him call and equip you and release you. And even though it's been weeks, months, decades for some, I pray now that the Holy Spirit would just begin to remind you of that encounter. You are valuable. You have a significant part to play in this church and don't let the enemy lie to you don't let the enemy rob you of that dream of that plan of that purpose we are the body of christ amen and finally finally god sees his church as the bride it's such a beautiful imagery that jesus sees the church as the bride and i think it's one of the most beautiful images yet you know, I, I love it that we're a hospital. I love it that we're an army. I love it that we're a family. I love it that we're a body. But I tell you what, the most beautiful image that God has of the church is he sees her as her bride. And that's why we can say the church is beautiful, even though she's not perfect. Because when you think about a bride, what is a bride? She is beautiful, she is stunning, and it's an incredibly intimate and beautiful image. Revelation 19 verse six and seven says this, then I heard, this is John speaking, what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Somebody say amen. He is in control. He is Lord. He is Almighty. He is powerful. Verse 7. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Incredible images here right now. The Lamb has come. That's Jesus. He's returning for his bride, which is his church. And she, the church, has made herself ready. Revelation 21 verse 2. And he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Do you see it? That God, out of all the images that he could have chosen, he chose the church as his bride, beautiful and ready for his return. I pray that we are ready for his return. I pray that when he looks at exchange, he sees the beauty of his bride, getting ready, mobilized, excited, passionate, on fire, keeping his plan, his purpose, front and center, that we're surrendered, surrendered to everything that he has spoken. If you're having a hard time 
with a church. Just stop for a moment and ask God to help you to see her just like a bride. Because a bride on her wedding day is nothing but beautiful. Stop and think about the groom when he sees his bride. Because that is how um, Jesus, that's how God sees the church beautiful. I pray that instead of being critical and judgmental and cynical and without grace, that you would see the church today as his bride, the way God sees her. Amen. The church, she's a hospital because me as a sinner, I need Jesus as my savior. The church, she's an army. She's mobilized. She's ready. She knows exactly the war that she's in. She knows exactly who she's meant to be fighting against. And she has her weaponry in order to do it. And she's a body. She's every part having its place. Every person have value and meaning and a place to express who God has called them to be. And finally, she's the bride. I love to pray for you that you would have the image of the church that God has. Lord, we thank you for every single person listening today. I pray, Lord, that our view of the church would be your view of the church. Lord, where we've allowed stuff, Lord God, to change how we see the church and we're seeing her as anything but what you would have us see. I pray, Lord, that in this moment, Lord God, that we have the right filter, like Mark preached last week, to see your church as the hospital, to see her as the army, to see her as the family, to see her as the body, and to see her as the bride. God, we repent today for the times that we've seen the church as anything less than. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Awesome. I love the church. I've given my life to serving the church. I've given my life to championing the cause of the local church because I believe it's the only thing, I know it's the only thing that Jesus is returning for. I'm going to take a moment now, like I said at the start of this message, if you don't yet know Jesus, if you don't know him as your personal Lord and Savior, then I'd love the opportunity right now to pray for you. And if you'd say, Ellie, I'm one of those prodigals. I'm one of those people who's been a long time since I've been in a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Then I would love to pray for you. Or perhaps a friend shared this video, this sermon, this YouTube clip with you, and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You've never prayed a prayer where you've confessed your sins and asked him to make his home in your heart. Then I would love to pray for you. So wherever you are right now, just close your eyes, bow your head. I'm going to pray and you're going to repeat the words after me, but you're not praying to me. You're praying to God. Amen. Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, come into my heart and make it your home and help me to live every day in a way that pleases and honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Best decision ever. If you did pray that prayer, we would love to partner with you. Email us 
hello at exchangecc.com. We have a gift for you and we would love to help you become all that God has called you to be. Church, I love you. The Bride of Christ, beautiful. The Bride of Christ, on mission, on purpose. I can't wait to see you next week. God bless.